Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty. I'm here at RMIT University in Melbourne, and I'm presenting Talking Design. I'm here with an interior designer who's had a very interesting career and is still having a very interesting career. Her name is Fiona Austin, and she's director of uh, Fiona Austin Designs. And welcome to the show, Fiona. Thank you. Fiona, you're an interesting one. You've, you've done a number of things before setting up your own practice. Uh, you did a conservation and restoration course at RMIT to start with, or one of the courses you did. Tell yes. me a little bit about that. Yeah, it was a, a graduate diploma in restoration and conservation, and I think it was for designers who and architects who wanted to specialise in, in restoration and conservation. Mm. Um, well, it was a really interesting course. Uh, and it's interesting, you actually went through with a couple of people who actually have been on our show, uh, Claire McAllister and Debbie Lynn Ryan from right. McBride Charles Ryan, yeah. and Claire's from MA Architects. Mm. So a good group of people. What, yeah. what was it about restoration that kind of interested you? Uh, I think well, uh, many years ago I worked for Home Beautiful magazine and uh, I started collecting old Home Beautifuls that went right back to 1926. Mm. So... I sort of built this library and just got really interested in in history of architecture and I was also in it was also during that time when a lot of people were doing up older houses and not always understanding that a federation fireplace shouldn't really go in a Victorian house so it was just mm-hmm. having that knowledge and that confidence to know what was there before and what was appropriate as well as adaptive reuse Mm-hmm. So you kind of, in a sense, worked a bit like an archaeologist. Yes, yeah. And I still love that. I love that when you when you peel back the layers of an old house and you find original wallpaper or the old mm. fireplace behind a bit of timber or mm. an old bit of tessellated tile. or. So it informs the design. Yeah, yeah. And at least the thing is you can go against that, mm. but then you know what you, you're working against or with. Yes, and, and maybe you can reinterpret what you found in a contemporary way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know you're being consistent or you're being sympathetic to the building. Fiona, you wrote for, you edited and wrote for a number of newspapers and magazines for a number of years. Um, what did that give you to your pr- profession? How did that inform what you do now? Well, I think probably uh, you see a lot of design and you meet a lot of architects and you meet a lot of people that... Um, help your knowledge base. You know, you have sort of standout people that you meet along the way, like, you know, one of my standout people were Peter McIntyre, and, you know, you might interview him and pick up pearls of wisdom that stay with you for a long time. And I think that's what happened to me. I learned a lot and I met a lot of really interesting people. What were the frustrating things about the business? Uh, Writing, writing business. Well, I think probably when a lot of the magazines went to Sydney and you're just the Melbourne kind of person or uh, you have a fantastic idea and you it doesn't get accepted or it doesn't get the cover or uh, it gets edited down, uh, that, that can be a bit frustrating. So Fiona, how did, when did you start your own practice, Fiona, your Austin Design? Yeah, I started my <coughs> own practice, I think it's about 15 years ago. I'd been working for a big building design company and um, they decided to sell it basically they sold the building arm so the architects set up their practice and I set up a design practice and we still worked back with the building company so it was a really easy kind of um, uh, you know springboard rather than starting a business up from scratch I already had clients and projects mm-hmm. how would you describe your practice I mean what are the type of things that you're involved in 
Well, I, I guess we're really residential. We've sort of specialised in residential. And uh, more and more we love getting involved with all the detailed design. We love space planning. So we're sort of overlapping sometimes with architects and building designers. Mm. But we sort of design from the inside out. So we are very interested in how a house functions and works for families or whatever the people are going to live there. But so, you know, it's sort of customised to suit their life. Fiona, the problem is that you designed from the inside out and a lot of interior designers designed from the inside out, but architects designed from the outside mm. in. Yes. So there must be conflict when you're well, working with an architect, if you're not yeah. on your, you know, if you if the job is actually with an architect, how do you deal with it? Well, I, I guess I I find I, I don't want to make any enemies. So, and I really respect architecture and respect good architects. So, I find we work very collaboratively. Uh, the architects I work with, we tend to respect each other's strengths, and I'll refer back to them, and they'll refer back to me, and. We would never tread on their toes either, and if we, if really we can't change anything, we wouldn't change anything. Mm. So if you're about to make, if you think something's not working and you want to make a major change, yeah. then you set up times with the architects and kind of work it through. Yeah, yeah. and if they say, look, the engineering's been done or it's been mm. through planning or whatever, we'll just back right off if it's impossible. But if we can mm. tweak something, maybe it's a tile set out or extra space in a pantry or, mm. you know, if we can, you know, it's, it's, it makes a better project at the end. Fiona, a lot of architects actually try and get out of residential work because it's very demanding, mm. it's very finicky, can be irritating. Yes. You can revisit things many, many times. Mm. Do you find it challenging working so closely with people who, you know, a home is everything to them? They're not going to just hand it over. It, it is challenging, and I guess I sort of have to explain that to young graduates when we employ them. It is challenging and nothing is ever as you want it to be or straightforward and people change their minds and they choose things that you might think are unattractive. And But I think you just have to take it on board. They're the clients. We're there to sort everything out for them and do the best we can for them, you mm. know, to edit down their selections and work with them. It's their house at the end of the day. And I've reached a point now after all these years where I don't have sleepless nights and toss and turn and get really upset. Mm. Now I think, well, I've suggested it. If they don't want to go with my suggestion, fine. We'll just move on to the next thing. I mean, after all, Fiona, it is their home, as you said. Yeah. If they decide to fill it with junk mm. when you've done a beautiful job, then you really just have to stand back and say, well, that's the way they want to live. Yeah, we do. And, yeah. and we do. And I have to, you know, I notice with the younger designers I work with, they still can get really upset about that. But I think it's an experience thing where you just move on. And, mm. you know, that's... It's their house. You can only do your best at the time and make the suggestions and mm. you know, and, and have do all the things you want to do with your own house. What are some of the projects you're working on at the moment, Fiona? Well, we're actually working on a brand new house at Flinders at the moment, which is pretty exciting. It's just about to go into planning. But with um, an architect? No, mm. with a we work really closely with a building designer, mm. and uh, he's he's great because he sort of really lets us do what we want to do, and he. Um, works with us but we've sort of designed this house from the inside out and uh, but we've done the exterior you know materials and cladding and mm. change windows and 
and that's been a great project uh, mm. for us because we've sort of done everything from start to finish and we'll keep going. I tend to find, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but I think people's holiday houses, particularly beach houses, mm. country houses, they kind of stand back a little bit. They're actually mm. a little bit more open to ideas than if it's mm. their Main city home. home. Yeah. Yeah, well, a lot of our clients, I find, are very informed and they've often done a number of renovations and builds and they have some really good ideas and strong concepts as well. Mm. So often we're sort of drawing up their vision but, but hopefully bringing a bit of design mm. to it and um, editing it down a bit. And that's sort of what's happened with the Flinders House. What are, what are some of the projects you're working on in the city that are... Uh, in the city, we've, we've just finished one actually in in Beaumaris, or, mm. or which is sort of the city. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just finished a big uh, family home, and tomorrow afternoon a renovation or a, a brand new house. Uh, we worked with uh, an architect and a building company. We work a lot with on that, and uh, tomorrow afternoon we've commissioned art, and that's being delivered. So that's a like finishing touch. You know, we've done the furniture as well, all the joinery. Yeah. When um, you say you've commissioned art, you've actually got artists in. Yeah. To look at the space and come up with an idea. Yeah, yeah. So we've done that. Who are some of the artists? Oh well, here? we've got Eleanor Millard. Uh, she's done a big sort of triptych for the dining room, and we've got a photographer, Katie Carmichael, who's done some beautiful um, cloud. She's done these beautiful series of clouds, which we're using, mm-hmm. uh, and we've commissioned a Rosetta Santucci as well. So, Fiona, it actually takes a lot of confidence for clients to allow that amount Mm. of freedom you know not just the house Mm. but the art the furniture must be just refreshing when that comes your way and you think yes finally (laughs) yeah it's it's great and I think when a client gives you that confidence we bend over backwards we've worked so hard for these clients to do every single thing we can every fabric every door handle every appliance we've overthought really and just really made sure it's it's right for the house right for the design and uh it's it's like a real team effort and we're going to be really pretty excited when it's when all that artwork's gone in and it's finally finished what are some of the other homes you've worked on some of the ones that have been more challenging i mean have you worked on houses that you know coming from a restoration angle Mm. that the house is kind of that borderline case where do we save or do we knock it down and that must happen quite a lot yeah, it does, and, and it's it's a hard one because, um, you know, I, I'm interested in um, 50s and 60s houses, and, and in Bo Morris, a lot of them have been where I live. Mm. A lot of them have been demolished, and we've got our Facebook page where we're trying to encourage people to buy what's, them. What's the page called? Uh, Bo Morris Modern. And uh, so every time a house comes up for sale, we post, post it. I might go and take photos of it, do a bit of research, We've got quite a few people that contribute that know about um, 60s mm. architecture and they might put their, oh, it was designed by such and such or, you know, it's just mm. an interesting forum. But And to try and get a buyer for to the To try pro- and get a buyer. So try and d- develop a bit of interest in the house. People come from all over Melbourne. Well, we get probably 1,500 hits on our That's Facebook awesome. page, which is great. So people mm. will come from all over Melbourne and you just hope that uh, someone will buy it and that's mm. been happening a bit more. But the unfortunate thing sometimes is they might buy a really, really basic house, and even though it's 60s and cute, it's sort of the cost of renovating it. You sort of worry about whether that's a good investment. It's a hard one, whether mm. rooms are really tiny and ceilings and the time, are low. And, by the time you open it all out, yeah. you're kind of really starting with not, there's not much left. Yeah, so that's always my quandary. You know, I want to keep it, but 
can you live in it now and should they spend all that money on it or just start again? You know, so it's... Who are some of the great architects who you've saved houses in uh, that the Morris area? Well, we've tried to save the, Chan- the Chancellor and Patrick houses are, are all safe. A few of them were touch and go. Uh, uh, Mockridge Daly Mitchell. There was one, There's one Neil Clarahan that is probably on the danger list. Um, there's only one left of Neil Clarahan's. There's oh, a there's pedi- the Younger Court. Uh, younger Court. No, no, oh, no, you're talking oh, about Inverness. I'm just talking about Morris. Um, there's one Peter McIntyre left. Um, yeah, not much heritage listing in Bo Morris, I'm afraid. So, Well, there's not much heritage listing in Melbourne. No. I mean, very few mm. uh, significant homes, apart from, say, Robin Boyd, are listed. Well, I find it frustrating that, you know, huge areas like the Gascoigne Estate and Middle Park and Albert Park are heritage listed. And mm. people fought against that so hard. And yet now they're probably the most expensive, some of the most mm. expensive real estate in Melbourne because the streets are intact. They're beautiful street after street after street of beautiful, intact examples of architecture. And Bo Morris was like that probably 25 years ago. So, Fiona, do you go op- to open for inspections and do you kind of put people off? So as, <laughs> as they come in, you go, well, I believe there's a heritage overlay on this house. Yeah, well, f- I think the market's turned and now at most open for inspections of little original mid-century houses, there's lots of young couples mm. ooing and ahhing over the, you know, crazy brick fireplace and the windows. And mm. I'm so excited by that because 10 years ago it was developers mm. with tape measures, you know. How so it has land. changed, it, but there's not much left. That's the sad thing. Yeah. Why do you think that period's been ignored by heritage people? I think because it's... it's Too early? It, it, yeah, it's a particular... Well, we're a bit slow in, in Australia, I think. Overseas, it's been um, protected. And the thing that frustrates me, I guess, is that we do actually have a lot of Californian bungalows and and Victorian and Federation houses, mm. and yet... The houses I love, the 50s and 60s houses, were experimental and there was only one example. It was a one-off. Mm. So once they're demolished, we can't go down the street and see another one because it was a one-off. Mm. And so I get a bit frustrated sometimes that all those Californian bungalows in Hampton have been saved and yet architecturally... They're not so significant. Well, they're not really as significant no, as kind of, Robin Boyd's, you know. I know. And I think what's interesting about this, the 50s and 60s with those one-off houses is you really don't know what you're getting past the front door because mm. they're all different. They're but all a Californian different. bungalow, there's literally the floor plan can be read. Mm. They're mm. repeated right throughout Yes, every street. Yeah. So it's just that frustration of... You know, when you, particularly when you go back through, say, the State Library archives and look at some of the houses that often the best houses in Beaumaris were on the best blocks of land. So they were the first ones mm. to be. And the worst thing is when they demolish them and build a, a mock Georgian house where there was once a house with eaves and mm. north facing windows. And you just think we've gone backwards, I think, you know. It's such a shame because the thing is, sometimes those houses can be present, represented in quite a beautiful way that mm. just requires a little bit of the right furniture, mm. cosmetic detailing, and it would change things from, you know, something that's not mm, that's groovy true. to something that's amazingly groovy. Yeah, well, I think that's just peeling back the layers because often you'll have people who've lived in it from when they were married and they've put in the, the curtains and the blinds and the wallpaper and maybe mm. they inherited their parents' furniture or something and it's very cluttered and mm. dark. And people can't see past people that. People can't see past that, but when you clear it out and you sand the floors, paint the walls white, you know, and you've got this lovely space mm. um, that that you can actually buy for land value. Yeah. No, they are pretty reasonable. Mm. Um, but it is frustrating because you, you can't, you know, you can't 
hand out a license to everyone who comes through and over for inspection and say, look, mm. you know, I don't think you're houseworthy. And, you know, <laughs> I think maybe yes. should um, someone on my Facebook, Facebook page yes. should... Um, where do you see directions in design at the moment? Because it is a bit, and I'm interested in this because I think, I don't want to preempt you, but mm. I think there's been the last five to ten years very confusing time for mm. people because they don't really know what to do. Would you say yeah, that? I, I think so, and I think that, you know, in the past I found that if clients were conservative, they'd buy an old house and renovate it or they'd perhaps try and build a very simple plain house but still with a pitched roof. I think... Now people are um, embracing more contemporary architecture. I think people are more interested in, um, you know, views to their garden and probably back to that 60s, a lot of the 60s ideals. Uh, But they're not always willing to pay for good design. That's the sad thing, you know, people and builders and everyone. They say they can do it themselves. Well, they do it themselves or it just gets, as you go through the design process, all the really nice design elements get taken out and you you sort of end up with this that my I guess my biggest pet hate is render render I just render uh, exterior or interior both just exterior like this is the most ordinary thing you can do you know a tiled roof render aluminium windows just so and the, you my know the suburbs turning. Are, the suburbs are full of them and it's just getting and you think really for that much money if you put a bit more effort in you could have done something a little bit more interesting I mean sometimes it's nice just to showcase the bricks I mean, yeah. the bricks are beautiful sometimes. Yeah, and exactly. I, likewise, I get quite distraught. Or bag them. Or, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it is quite sad. Yeah, just that I think it's people are scared to to not have good resale potential, I think, that, that mm. comes down to, you know, every five or ten years they sell and they're scared if they do something a little bit different. They might not sell, and yet I think that it makes a point of difference if you do mm. something that's, that's got a bit of design. Where, where do you see things going at the moment in design, interior design? Because you've been around for 15 years, but you've, your career extends considerably mm. further than that. Where do you think things are going? I, the, the, the optimistic part of me thinks that we're going for more of a natural, earthy Australian style, which I mm. love. The part of me that's a bit nervous sometimes thinks we're going for a little bit of a look-at-me glitzy, you know, I don't know. Pretentious. Pretentious, yeah. So um, I think... The more houses people renovate and live in, they start to embrace simplicity, and so that's that's positive. Fiona, do you ever turn clients away? If someone came into your office and said, you know, I want a Dallas look, and I want, you know, yeah. if, if there was such a thing as, you know, a Dallas look, but I'm thinking glitz, you know, um, look, and I, you just feel that there's not right for you, do you, do you mm. think, well, look, I can actually show them some great ideas, or do you just say, look, I can't deal with this, and give them the name of someone else who might. I think when I was younger, I thought that I could manage that and, and help everybody. But now I'm a bit older. I, I If I genuinely think we're on different pages, I will say it's not going to work because not good for them, not good for me. So I'll probably say, look, I just don't think that I'm, our styles are meshing or I'm the right person, you know. Fiona, what do you think is, what are some of the the worst things people do, apart from rendering, what are the things you think people often get wrong when they're reworking a house? Oh, the biggest thing definitely is space planning because it doesn't matter how much, you know, how many beautiful pieces of furniture you have or gorgeous marble on the bench or beautiful timber. If it's bad plan, it's a bad plan, you know. It's, What's a good plan? Well, a good plan, I think, is where a house flows well, there's good 
spaces. We draw all the furniture in all the rooms, in all the spaces to make sure everything works. But so the house flows, so you've got lots of north light, you've got, you know, views to gardens. Uh, you you actually draw in their furniture into the plan. Yeah, yeah, or proposed. We draw mm. furniture in every room. Um, but it's just that, you know, kitchens that are the wrong shape, you know, I just... We, we, as I said, design from inside out and uh, just get that space planning right before you even think about style. You know, mm. we get clients coming with um, Pinterest pages or books full of style and it's like, well, style's later. Now we're just getting the spaces, the spaces right for your family, your house, your needs. And then we look at finishes and style. It's interesting, going back to the 50s, is mm-hmm. uh, because the bedrooms were relatively small in size and compared to the living spaces. And do you see that, and in a sense, a lot of the the contemporary designs, huge bedrooms mm. that are really not, we don't need that much space. Why, you know, and areas that, why would you put in like a home theatre room when you might use once a month? Well, I think home theatre rooms have gone out of vogue a bit. And I think that's interesting, the feedback I've got from clients is that, if they're going to watch a movie or watch the news, they kind of want to do it with the family. They don't want to go downstairs to a dark room and, mm. you know, maybe they, they mm. just want to be part of what's going on in the family. So I think that's flipped around. But um, uh, I think the bedroom thing, there's one extreme to another. I mean, a lot of project homes, the bedrooms aren't big enough for a queen-size bed, bedside tables and being able to open the wardrobe door. Mm. And... We do need queen-size beds in kids' bedrooms because kids stay at home till they're 25. So mm. that's there's that extreme to, yeah, these huge be- like Often houses can have too much space, even living areas. And bathrooms. I mean, they're yeah, becoming room-size. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw a place recently with this huge... I mean, it was a room, basically, and I just thought it was a waste of space. Mm. I mean, it's a bathroom. It's not a living room. Yeah. I th- Well, it's always that battle between... You know, resale, and at the moment, um, big walk-in robes and big en-suites and big butler's pantries are a must-have, you know, if you're in the sort of million-plus mm. market, they're a must-have. So I guess that gets accentuated, but there's no point having a huge robe if it's not laid out properly, mm. you know, and hasn't got the right amount of mm. shelves for your shoes and your coats and your bags and, your, you know. Do you find, Fiona, that people want more flexibility in houses, that they want to stay longer rather than just turn over and be because, you know, kids can leave home, they do leave home Mm. eventually, and then people are stuck with these things that they don't really want. Mm. How do you kind of build that in? Well, we often suggest that, you know. We often suggest that a kid's playroom off a family room can later on become a study or... We do a lot of laundry pantries. That's a, well, that's not really addressing kids leaving home, but we sort of double up on rooms, you know, mm. and you might have a, a second living area that could later on be a guest bedroom because there's a bathroom next mm. door or, you know, so we do point that out to clients that flexibility from when you've got small children to teenagers is pretty important. Mm-hmm. Or if they do have overseas guests mm. or, you know, their life's going to change in some way. What do you think are the main challenges facing interior designers? Because a lot of people get in decorators mm. rather than designers, and and that causes a bit of confusion as well in the industry. Yeah, I, th- I suppose my biggest frustration is that people don't realise what we do. They still often tend to think we just do cushions. They don't understand that we do all the space planning, you know, mm. we, we draw the kitchen up in such great detail they can go and get three quotes, and it often works out to be less expensive than 
um, you know, I mean, they, they think they're going to save money by not using us, but we can mm. actually save them money. Mm. But but no one sort of knows that really. It's our our skills and what we do overlap other areas, and people don't really understand that we can help with that. Our clients are our best advertising because they mm. tell their friends, but mm. most people don't realise that's what we do. And a lot of it is, I mean, your clients, a lot of it is by word of mouth. Yeah, word of mouth, yeah. So they visit their friends and then they mm. say, we want the, you know, we mm. want to engage via yes. Austin Designs. Yeah, although we've gone, like we've got a few clients that have gone round and round in circles with the kitchen, you know, they've got kitchen companies, they've got cabinet makers. Try and do it themselves. Try to do it themselves and somehow we've, they've come to us and then um, we've done the whole design process with them and... Um, it's turned out really well, so they've recommended us to friends. So that's mm. quite good. The other thing, um, Fiona, that I think is quite interesting is meshing old and new together because often you're working with period homes. Mm. Not all the time. You've built new places as well. But, um, you know, you're working with period homes. How do you make that transition so it's not like a punch in the face? Well, I guess there's two schools of thought, and I probably prefer the modernist black box on the back of a Victorian house or Federation house. So the house. clear separation. Yeah, because to me it's it's of its time and that's probably, um, you know, the correct way in restoration terms to, to address it. But a lot of people still want that seamless, want the back to look old as the front. That's less now, mm. but people are nervous about doing the black box. So we'll do often do a soft modern you know, with a pitch roof still. So it kind of speaks in a very subtle way to yeah, the old. It really depends on the client, mm. you know, because if someone's nervous of the black box, then we back off from that and mm. suggest something a bit softer. But uh, I think it's good to have a transition, a clear mm. transition from old mm. to new. So, you know, you can keep the original floorboards or mm. architraves or skirts and plaster and then have a transition into crisp new more sometimes those um, the rooms in the original part of the house tend to be a bit small so they require a bit of opening up mm. otherwise it's too much of a transition in terms of small rooms and then large mm. open spaces do you find that yeah although a lot of old houses i find have Big rooms well, victorian rooms particularly have quite beautiful beautifully mm. proportioned and i think on the they match the golden mean so they're beautiful rooms to leave often the first four rooms are, are mm fantastic but after that everything gets a lot smaller mm -hmm. so if we can keep the proportion of original rooms it's it's nice to do that do you get involved with the landscape as well or you tend to mm. hand that over we do hand we, we work with a really good landscape architect who's that uh, karen walbrink mm -hmm. she's really she's a Morris landscape architect and, and her husband steve but uh, so we do get involved because we we really like, we love working as a team with builder, architect, landscape architect, so that we all overlap and... It's not four different voices. No, exactly. And so the end result's always much better. And we, you know, we swap, we send each other plans on CAD so that we know what we're all doing and how everything's going to sort of interface with everything else. And that's the best outcome. You probably don't want to answer this, but what's probably one of the biggest headaches you've had? In, in a renovation or a new house, what, without naming yeah. names or... Yeah, probably I, it's clients not reading drawings, you know, where you go over and over and explain something and you, you have your 1 to 20 elevations and you explain it. Models as well. We don't really mm -hmm. do models, but yeah. um, we explain it really well, we think, yeah. and then they'll ring us up and say, well, our butler's pantry doesn't have any... Well, enough shelves or something or whatever. Yeah. I was like, well, we discussed that and we wanted the appliances there and we wanted the cupboard over, you know. It's just that that can be 
Why do you think people can't read plants? It's just not their language. Yeah, I just think it's not their thing, you know, Mm. so that's why they come to us. But we do try and explain it. But sometimes people aren't really interested at all until the house is being built. And then they say, oh, I didn't understand that that was going to go there. It's too late. It's too late, yeah. I mean, you can put an extra shelf in, but you can't do a whole kitchen and pantry. No, that's that's probably one of the most frustrating things, especially when you've explained it and you thought they knew, but maybe... Do you think your time as an editor in magazines has helped your ability to communicate with people? I mean, I know you get the the person who doesn't get it till the, you know, once the house Mm. or interior is finished, but do you think that your role as an editor for many years has actually helped you communicate ideas to people? I think so, and I think that um, what I find is that... I'm not that I want to categorize my clients, but I pretty quickly get a feeling for where they're at in their with their sort of style and design and what they like. And I think I've got that from interviewing people from magazines and seeing lots of houses. I can sort of put a kind of bubble around them and think you're this kind of person or this type of person, and this is what you will like. So then you draw up the schematics. Yeah, well, yeah. We have a pretty good hit rate, I suppose, when we do concepts. We we seem to have a pretty good rate of Happy clients, really. There must be the occasional one, Fiona, that comes in and you just Mm. see the expression Mm. drop and you think, oh, I've got it wrong. Yeah, that's happened too. That's depressing when that happens. (laughs) What are the telltale signs? Maybe they ring up and say they don't want to continue with our services. (laughs) It doesn't happen that often. but, but And look, when I was younger, I would go home and have a sleepless night and be so depressed and, oh, I should have done this and should have done that. Now I think we just weren't right for each other. It Mm. wasn't going to work, you know. We we're there to help people and do the best we can. So, uh, and then, um, yeah, it's just reading the client, I think, and sometimes you can misread them. So, you know, I guess that have, can happen in any situation. Yeah, I think it's important. I think communication's mm. at the basis of so many things, yeah. and you can misread people, and it can yeah. be a disaster. Yeah, but I mean, I can do a quick turnaround. I can yeah. race, I can say, okay, let's do this instead. We'll put this here, we'll put that there. Let's. You know, yeah. I use this material and sometimes I can save the day. Yeah. Um, so, mm. But at the end of the day, you have to be happy in terms of what you're doing as well. Yes, and yeah. if the person's not right. Yeah. Mm. Um, Fiona, where do you think you're heading? If you're looking in five, ten years, where are the, some of the things you'd like to be? What would you like to be doing in five, ten years' time? Yeah, well, I suppose I'd really like to build another house for myself I've got a 60s house now but I'd love to do a new house that's really energy efficient and Mm. very plain and simple and just put into place all the things I've discovered over the years Mm. that I think work really well Who's your house designed by? Anyone of note? Uh, well, we, we we don't know. We think Harry Ernest had something to do with it. Uh, Great and, architect. And there was a builder he worked with who did our whole court in Morris, So, yeah. And have you treated it faithfully? Have you gone back to the original scheme? Well, we have put a black box on top of it. But, um, we put back the parquetry. We have been sympathetic, for sure. Yeah, very sympathetic. So you can read the past and the present. Yeah, and we've probably accentuated it a bit. We've probably made it more interesting than it was. But, um, yeah, so I think another project... I find doing a renovation or a project is great for me, for my clients, to go through that every five years or so reminds me of the stress people go through, the money they spend, my responsibilities to them. So I think it's good. It keeps you very um, on the ball when you renovate your own house or build. I mean, it is is stressful. People, Mm. I think, don't realise... I mean, they call it a journey, and it is a bit of a journey, 
but things can go wrong. Think, and, and it's it, money. It's a lot of money. It's your own personal money. It's so I'm. Yeah, I think doing a renovation every so often is a really good way to be understand your clients, know where they're at. Mm. What gives you the most pleasure about what you do? Oh, probably, you know, seeing a project when it's finished or as it starts to be finished, when the joinery starts to go in and it's working really well and the clients are really excited. I think that's probably, you know, or when a job's completely finished and you're walking around with Derek's firewall taking the photographs or something, you know. It's it's interesting how houses go very quickly at the end mm. because it can take a long time to get the bones right and then a house that's going to be finished in three weeks and you go in and you think, oh, there's nothing here, and then the carcass of the kitchen yes. comes in and then you start to see it mm. shaping up and that must be exciting. It, that's really exciting, especially when it's it's... It's even better than you thought it was going to be, you know, and that happens sometimes. You walk in and go, oh, that's that's so great. And that's often because you've got great clients because mm. they've let you, you know, go that extra mile to do something a little bit more interesting. Yeah. yeah. Fiona, thanks so much for coming on the show today. It's been a pleasure. And um, I'm sure I'll be seeing a lot of your work going forward. I hope to see more of your work going forward. Um, you've been with Stephen Crafty, Talking Design at RMIT University in Melbourne. Thanks so much, Fiona. Thank you.